Welcome to Orpnimi. This is Saratoga Best. Creating a Feminine World. This is the, this is this new series, Creating a Feminine World through Chafei Shvat. We're in Parshas Bo and Beshalach, um, Tashinun Base. We are speaking about the advantage of women, the Mile of Nesheu Benaisitra. Okay. So here is, here is the question. We've never seen, throughout history, we always saw that Jewish leaders would focus on men and leading the men from one level to another to empower them to, to take on a, a rule of, a, a role of spiritual leadership in the world. And here we have a situation where the Rebbe and the Friedrich Rebbe put most of their focus, much of their focus, into women and children. What happens? Rather than putting their focus on men, but rather women and children, because we are the ones to stand in the front lines fighting the war, and therefore we are the ones who have to be trained to fight the war standing on the front line. So, and the reason for that is because we're com- we we have an advantage. We have a mila over the men, and we see it in two places in Tyra. Number one, we see it at Matan Tyra, Christ Speak to the women first, the Sagid of the Israel, and then to the men. So, of course, we know the classical answer is, you know, the Chava and Adam and Chava, Chava messed up, so this time we speak to her first. But this is not at all in that direction. It's much deeper. It's saying, speak to the women first. They're the leaders. They have, they assume a leadership role. They have a natural leadership role. They need to be spoken to first, not because they're lower, but because they're higher. And then the next time we encounter it is the donation to the Mishkan, which is not, which is only a year later. And it says, The the women came first. The women donated much more and much more enthusiastically to the Mishkan, all of the different materials that had to be donated, gold and silver and all of the, what was it, 13, 14, 15 different materials that had to be donated. The women came forward and they gave whatever they had. And not only that, of course, we know the way they did it was um, there was such um, they had such an ability to understand what the Mishkan is. I do this in a, sep- a separate recording, but we need to understand that for a woman, the idea of a mishkan, of God being down here in physical things in a cute little cozy, cozy home that can, you know, with curtains and, and boards, you put this board here and that one there and you make this nice little cozy place where Hashem feels cozy and comfortable. That makes perfect sense for a woman. And for a man that's, what? Doesn't God believe in this? But doesn't God belong in the supernal spiritual realms? What's he doing down here with, you know, with cozy little places? It just doesn't fit. So this idea of dear Vitachtanim, that Hashem wants to be down here, you know, create a cozy little home for him, that's uniquely feminine. It's not a, it's not a masculine approach. So everything about it, everything about Matantaira, everything about building the Mishkan, the base of English, and ultimately Geula, it's all about us with our unique approach to our feminine leadership role and our feminine leadership resonating with what's going on and the needs of the time. So it says that the women 
what did they do? They knew that one of the things they needed was um, uh, skins or, or, you know, curtains. These wool curtains, what, what did they do? They took um, goats, I guess, goat sheep, and they took wool and they wove it and spun it and knitted it together and made these beautiful curtains. But let's face it. Once you take, if you have a sheep and you have a goat, you know, and there's wool on them, it's the most supple. It's the highest quality because it keeps getting oil from the oil glands of these animals. The minute you cut it off, the wool starts to dry up. So if you want, you know, the longer it's been off the animal, the the lesser the quality is. So what should you do? Well, too bad you can't get it straight weave all of this straight the minute it comes off the animal. So they did even better. They said, let's weave these these curtains while they're on the animal. Then you're getting top, top quality, perfect um, wool that has all the oil embedded in it. It's right then at that moment getting all the oil from the oil glands on the animal, from the animal. And you're making the curtains out of that stuff. And when you finish weaving, you'll cut the whole piece off the animal. Amazing idea. Good luck. Good luck. You ever try weaving on a little goat or a little sheep that's jumping around? I mean, how are you, how are you going to do that? But the women figured out how to do it. And they figured it out. Because their love for the Mishkan and their understanding of what the Mishkan was, was so deep and intrinsic. They realized, this is it. The culmination of everything that's been happening in the world for 2,444 years is this Mishkan. This is it. There isn't anything else. This is the focal point of everything. For everything that ever happened, for everything that's happening in this moment and everything that will be in the future. This is it. We want to give our best to this because this is the real the real thing. So that's why they were weaving on these, weaving on frisky goats. So this um, ability to resonate with what was important, what was real and what wasn't at that moment we now have it again as women. And, of course, we know in the merit of righteous women, in that generation we came out of Mitzrayim, and in the Geul it will be the same thing. He may say some merit is Mitzrayim, right? And we know that we're 30 years later now, and we're not only going to see Mitzlaus, but Tla'os, which are way greater. And all of this happens in the merit of the righteous women. It says the generations are not... Generations are not redeemed other than through the merit of the righteous women of that generation. I guess it gets to be us, believe it or not. And of course, as the Arizal says, that the generation of the Gaul of the future is a Gilgal, an incarnation of the generation that came out of Mitzrayim. So we're, so who, who gets the spotlight? I guess it's us. There's nobody else around. Like, this is it, you know? For better or for worse, ready or not, here you go. It's you. So 
um, we want to know also, we understand um, since we've completed everything and we're ready to go, what we want to do is be trained to do our very best to step into this leadership role to create a feminine world in the most powerful way that we can. It's right here, right now, and we're the ones. And especially since Nikeva Tisayba is together, the feminine aspect will go higher than the masculine aspect. It's becoming a feminine world. And one other thing, we know that, of course, the mimer of Basilagani is about Achaisi, my sister, Kala, my bride. It's all a feminine thing. And we know that it was given out for the yard site of Rebbe and Rivka, the, the, the bubby, the bubby of, of the Friedrich Rebbe. And also, um, then the other part, the continuation is for his mother, Rabbana Shterna Sara. Um, and all of this, and then all of this is culminated with Chafteshvat, the daughter of the Friedrich Rebbe. All of this comes together, the whole month of Shvat, which is the month that has to do with the Nasi Hadar, the leader, the Maishabainer of the generation. Really, it is, but as he is, relates to all of the women in his life, his, his grandmother, his mother, his daughter, all incorporating in the Nasi Hadar, the leader of the generation, Bringing to the bringing to the table the feminine aspect that makes this into a feminine world. Fasi Lagani, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. We, the Jewish people, are feminine. We're Hashem's bride. We're His sister. Feminine, the feminine in a feminine world. We, the Jewish people, create a feminine world. And what do we do? about the whole idea of tzaddikim leaving the world, it's the idea of picking picking um, shashanim, picking roses to bring the tzaddikim to a higher level that will then come back into Tzadikim Mason. Now, when you're speaking about women and the feminine aspect and a feminine world, there's also an aspect in, of women understanding, unfortunately, La Lenu bitterness, the, the, the other side of life, not only the, the flowers and the garden, but the hard work that goes into weeding the garden, etc. So, um, when, when we look at, um, Neshe Yisrael, we're looking at a fundamental mitzvah that women are involved in, and that is Shabbos candles, near, near Shabbos, like near mitzvah the Torah are. Candles, Shabbos candles. And it's a general mitzvah. Near mitzvah, it's a general mitzvah. And we understand that when we usher in the Shabbos, we're really ushering in the Geula. Shabbos comes in when you, the woman, Light Shabbos candles. Geula comes in when you, the woman, light, brings the light of Mashiach into the world. So, and one other thing, which is, our Mila, the specialness of women, 
we see in Parsha's Bashalach, this week's Parsha, which is connected with Yud Shvat, 15th of Shvat, you know, Chamisha Asibis Shvat, 22nd of Shvat, all of this. What's Parsha's Bashalach? We walked through the sea, we walked through the Red Sea, Shirathiyam, we sang. Av Yashir Maisha Uvne Yisrael. And then, Maisha Benu and the men sang the song. As they walked through the Red Sea, the sea parted. We were on our way to, to Eretz Yisrael. We were out of Gullus and into Geula. After the men sang, then what? The Kikach Mirim Hanavia, Achas Aaron, at the Tafiyada, the Tetzena Kolonashim Achreya, the Tukim Mikhailis, the Tanleham Miriam Shirelashem. Miriam, the prophetess, the brother of Aaron, we're going to see in a second, took the tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and all those kinds of tambourine like instruments, and they sang. And they sang. As soon as we read this, we realize, well, there you go. That's how you see the leadership quality in the women. The women came out of Mitzrayim, came out of slavery with a much greater joy. With, they prepared, we you know, they prepared Tupac They prepared tambourines. They didn't order them on Amazon the night that they were leaving. You know, Amazon Prime doesn't come that fast. Hey, we're leaving tomorrow. I can't believe it. Paro in the middle of the night and Paro in pajamas in the middle of the night. He came to Maishu Rabbeinu and he said, I want you to leave. Nobody had time to go on Amazon and order a whole bunch of, you know, thousands of tambourines. Um, Amazon Prime wasn't working in those days and they don't deliver that fast. They don't deliver by the morning and they didn't have drones, etc., etc. Where did they get all these tambourines? They had them waiting. How did they have them waiting? A tambourine is a happy thing. It's a sign of joy and celebration. What's to celebrate? It was so dark. It was so bad. The men gave up. So Pyra in the middle of, Pyra in pajamas in the middle of the night ran and said, Maishra Benu, leave now. Until then, Pyra kept saying, I will, no, 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 I will not let you go. It was really bad. Not only life was beyond horrific, okay, the slavery had, en- had ended, but we could not get out. The Iron Curtain, you cannot get out of that place. And boom, he let us out. We women knew that he would. We knew that. The women were sure. What do you mean? Of course God's going to make miracles. And therefore, let's prepare. We're going to be celebrating. And men were like, oh, yeah, for sure you're going to be celebrating. Uh-huh. You know, right? The men were like, uh-huh, yeah, absolutely. You're going to be celebrating. Oh, my goodness. These women live in la-la land. He said, no, no, we're going to be celebrating. It must have been an interesting show and bias situation. Then the women were sure. So I don't know where they hid their tambourines so they wouldn't annoy the men, but they had them all sitting and waiting. So it all centered around Miriam. And Miriam is that intersection of the bitterness and the sweetness, the hope and all of that. Hope within bitterness. Because it says in the Medrash that Miriam had the name Miriam because of bitterness. Miriam, mirror, bitter. Because the main 
um, slavery and the difficulty of the slavery, which was called Vayimaru Es Chayim Befarech. They embittered Mar, Miriam. They embittered their lives with Abaydis um, Per, with things that just were designed to break you. That's what they did. That's what the Egyptians did. Our, our slave masters did to us. They embittered our lives with that. When did the really tough part of the slavery start? When Miriam was born, when she was born, that's when it became really bad and really dark. So she was born into the darkest time. You'd think that she would have no hope. It was 86 years, which is the number of Elohim, the number, the word Elohim. Elohim is Hashem as he appears in nature so that you don't see him. You look at natural events and you say, no miracles happening here, that's for sure. So 86 is the gematria of Elohim, meaning the energy of the energy of the time, the events of the time were really designed to look like no miracles are going to be happening here, honey bunch. Just settle in and, you know, do the best you can because it's bad and it's not getting better. This kind of bitterness from the minute Miriam was born went for 86 years. Four years before Maishu Rabbeinu was born. That means 82, after 82 years, no, or rather, no, sorry. She was born. And then four years later, uh, Maishu Rabbeinu was born. Sorry, he went, right? So she's, she was four years older than him. And we, you know, we all know the story that she convinced her father to remarry her mother and said, you've got, Ta, you've got it all wrong. Your masculine reasoning, with all due respect, your masculine reasoning is, um, it's, it's, it's from an older frequency, a gullus frequency. You got it wrong. Please remarry our mother. She was only four years old, or their opinion, five years old. And she was very strong in her opinion. And her father took her seriously and decided to do it. All the men used to get together and talk and say, oh, you know, we have to separate from our wives. And he was showing everybody the example. We cannot have any more children because Paro is throwing the baby boys into the Nile River, so we will not have any more children. And, of course, we know that Miriam came along, four or five years old, and said, Tara wants to destroy all the baby boys. You want to destroy all the Jewish children. You won't even let there be baby girls. He won't let there be baby boys, but you don't want any babies at all. So who's worse? What's her father going to say? Okay. Right. So he took the initiative, her father, and he remarried his wife. And there was a whole ceremony. How did she know this? It says in the Medrash, Gael zu Miriam. The Redeemer was Miriam. Why? Al shame Hamur, because of the bitterness. She was the Redeemer. Her baby brother, Meisher Benu, was also the Redeemer. He was the Redeemer. But the feminine aspect of the Redeemer was through Miriam. Very interesting thing. Her name means bitterness. And you would say the name mirror, bitterness, and the name geula, you know, joy and celebration and redemption, are two opposite things. So was she bitter? Was she into bitterness or geula? 
Well, if you're feminine, you can hold the two things together. If you're masculine, things have to be very distinct. This is that and that's that. If you're feminine, you know you can multitask. You can you can put together things that normally no one else would understand how to put together. And it works if you're feminine. Women can get away with a lot of stuff of putting together two opposites, right? They're the best shabkanen. So the fact is, that's why she saw in the middle of the darkness, it looks dark, but it's also light. My mother has to have a baby. The Redeemer is going to be born. And the Geula came through this, that Miriam felt the pain and the bitterness of Gullus. She she wasn't disconnected. She wasn't, you know, wow, little Pollyanna, you know, it's so beautiful. She really felt the bitterness intensely. But she also felt we're doing this is going to be Geula. She could she literally could live in two different realities at the same time. So, Chazal say, So Miriam, remember we said, they're preparing um, tambourines to celebrate, to go out of Gullus, to go out of slavery. So Miriam the Nevia, the sister of Aram, right? Big sister of Aram. doesn't say big sister of Maishar Benu. She's four years older than Maishar Benu. Why isn't she called the big sister of Maisha? She's called the sister of Aaron. Because she had her prophecy when Aaron was the only brother. There was no Maisha Benu. He still wasn't born yet. Okay. So those were the moments when she convinced her father to remarry his mo- her mother. And she said, my mother will give birth to the one who will redeem the Jewish people. She only had one brother then, Aaron. There was no Maisha Rabbeinu. She said, "My mother's, I want my mother to have a baby, and this is going to be the Redeemer. She was a very young child. She was very young. And her father trusted her because she had the feminine instinct, the feminine ability to see light in darkness. And then, let's fast forward. Uh-oh, a bump in the road. Then Meshurbanu was born. Her father is so happy. She was right. It's a big simcha. There's this beautiful baby. The whole He lights up the whole house with light. The whole world, really. And then comes the moment where they have to put him in the basket and put him in the Nile River. And she goes with her father and the, ba- the, the basket with the baby in it, and they put him in the water, and her father cannot stand up to the test. He has a male energy, after all. He's not able to hold these two extremes in his mind. So he gives a little, her, a little, it says, the tafkal roisha, he gives her a little tap on the head, you know, kind of a little patch, and he says, Okay, my daughter, so where is your prophecy now? He was so pained, and he was so feeling betrayed, trusting that she knows the truth, even though she was a little child, trusting this Navua, and then he said, ah, down the drain. Okay, my daughter, where's your Navua now? As it says, she stood... His, the sister, she stood, 
far away. She stood on the banks of the river, of the Nile River. Miriam stood. Ladea Mayasala, to know what would be with her little baby brother, Maishrabena. Ladat Mayia Nivuasa. Not to know, oh no, what's going to be with my baby brother, Maisha, what's going to be? No. She knew that there would be something magnificent that would happen. She wanted to watch how it unfolds. And she stood there by the side to watch how this miracle would unfold. Her nevuah was about the geula. And she waited from that moment on, from her brother's birth, she waited with, you know, eyes, longing eyes. When, with, when would the nevuah be fulfilled completely? She stood there from afar to see how it would unfold. We are standing on the banks of the Nile River now, literally. We, Nushim Tutkanias, if you want to call us that, we're standing there, the, the, the Nile River, I'm just going to say, the Nile River is the place of the Vaitazar, the place from which all the crazy philosophies come out, and people actually buy them. Hello, well, here we are, America 2021. And many people have fallen into the Nile River, half of America. Half of America's doing okay. The other half fell in through media, <laughs> intentional media, etc. They fell into the river. And they believe all the stuff. That the, they believe all the, the river, the media river, the Nile River is just washing over the earth with all of its, spraying up all of its uh, spray and all of its, all of its stuff, you know, stuff is, it's watering the whole land. That's what would happen to the Nile River. It would, it would overflow every year and it would irrigate the, the earth. And literally that's what's happened in the year 2020. The Nile River in America, in the world, just overflowed and is, 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 um, soaking everything, you know, is just drowning everything in its, crazy philosophy in its Abhidazara philosophy people are swallowing all this water and actually thinking it's normal and we're standing on the banks of this river the Maishra is in that river he's there to fix the whole problem he's not afraid to go into that river that's what he was created to do. He was born into this world to go into that river and fix it. And he's doing it. And our job as we stand here, we have to believe in him. And we stand here on the banks of the river. We are the Miriam Hanaviyah of the generation. We stand on the banks of the river, not wondering, will it work? Will it not? Will he, will he fix the world? Will he not fix the world? No, no, no. Will, will, you know, will the plague stop? Will the insanity stop? Or will it get worse? We're not doing that. We're standing here on the side of the river asking ourselves, huh, all right, this will be interesting to see how it all plays out and how the miracle happens. We're standing here saying, we know the end of the story. Ga'ula. Maishu cleans the world, fixes the world. And it's Ga'ula, and he brings the Ga'ula. And, create, and it's a, fem, a feminine world. And we stand there very much on the banks of the river 
making it into a feminine world. And at the same time, we know the end of the story. What we're standing here wondering is, how exactly is it going to work out? Just watching the story unfold. Only in those days, all she could do was stand there, at least for those moments. We have lots to do in terms of stepping into a feminine leadership and influencing the world while the Nile River is raging and Maishra Bainu is jumping in and fixing the, the darkness and the klipa and the draining the swamp. So, um, it's all tied up with Miriam and this Parsha. And through the bitterness of Gullus, Miriam from the name Mirror, and the longing for Geula, standing there on the side saying, let's watch it happen, and preparing our instruments of celebration, her prophecy was fulfilled. Her prophecy will be fulfilled through us. And we see this also with Rachelimenu, that when the Jewish people came out of, out of Eretz Yisrael, Rachelimenu came out of her cave and she was crying, and it says, Kogarama Nishma, and Hashem promised us and promised her, she's our mother. Your children will come back. And according to the great bitterness of the Gullus was the great Simcha with the tambourine. And not only that, the Nevuah of Miriam, of course, that Miriam took the tambourine in her hand, and what happened was, they saw, the Jewish people saw the Mitzrim um, on the shores. The Mitzrim drowned. They were out to destroy everything that was good and holy and joyful and, and full of life. They wanted to destroy it all. Sounds familiar. And they were encompassed by the Nile River. They got their crazy garbage philosophy from the Nile. Uh, sorry, it wasn't the Nile River. Into the, in the Red Sea, the Yamsuf. And in that place, they, their influence and culture came to an end. And we no longer had to be afraid of them, which means we no longer have to be afraid of that philosophy. And so there was a great simcha. And one other place that we see this is in the Haftairah about Devorah. Devorah and Nebiah also sang a song. Because the Parsha and the Haftarah are always intrinsically connected with each other. Devorah and Nebiah was the wife of, of Lepidus, who used to prepare wicks for the Beis Hamigdash. They would prepare wicks. The wicks are us as women illuminating with the wicks, the Shabbos candles, the Yontif candles, illuminating the home, illuminating the whole world, illuminating everything around. And where did she sit, Devorah Hanaviyah? She sat under this tree, the time, the, the Timer Devorah, this, um, uh, date tree, palm tree, date palm tree which was for the reason of Tineas. In other words, it's not something that has leaves and branches low down, but very high up. So 
anybody who's sitting under the tree, you can see them completely. Everything, you know, all the, again, all the leaves are high up. She did that for the purpose of, of Tzniyas. And what does it say? The Tishka de Arthur Shana. For 40 years, the land was quiet. There was peace for 40 years. When we think of 40, we know 40 is an amount of time that takes us in a transition from one era to another. We finished that. The Rebbe told us that from the beginning of the, the Rebbe's Messias until Tafshin Nun, from Tafshin Yud to Tafshin Nun, we had 40 years. And those 40 years brought us to a point where we could see open wonders. We saw in the world in 1991, Mishlo incredible wonders with the Gulf War. And 30 years later, now we're being promised plus Ereinu. But the land of Egypt, the land of Eretz Yisrael, being in a state of peace for 40 years, it comes as a result of the Tzniasic determination of Devorah HaNeviyah. The absolute effort of the, of the Jewish woman to usher in the Geula in the way, in a way, Alpitaira. So what is our job as women? To take all of this and realize that all of this was done by Miriam and Via, by Devorah, all of this being funneled to us. They weren't, in an, they weren't isolated women in an isolated time who weren't thinking about us. They probably very much had us in mind. And it's one continuum. We think about them, they think about us. They're passing the torch, right, the candles. They're passing the torch to us. And especially in such an incredibly auspicious time, an auspicious month, and especially Yud Shvat, Yud Aleph Shvat, Chafei Shvat, the 15th of Shvat, Chamisha Aser B'Shvat is about fruits and the beauty of, of the garden and the fruits and the deliciousness. This is a woman's kind of a thing. And Chafei Shvat, the Chiddush that, that Rebetzin Chaim Mushka brings into the world, the feminine aspect. And the Haira for us is, that just like, just as the women from Mitzrayim, the women in the time of Mitzrayim, the women of that generation, led by Miriam and Nevi'ah, coming out of Mitzrayim, in the most horrific slavery, where they watched their babies being cemented into the walls, thrown into the, into the river, now, beyond horrific stuff. And yet she kept them going. The women were so solid in their emunah and betachem. They knew there's an end to this suffering and we will celebrate. We're going to Geula. We will celebrate. This is not a story that we just need to read about and say, how nice it was so beautiful. They are passing the torch to us so that we should be able to be as certain as they are. As the Rebbe says, to be sure, and surely we are sure, should take of Miyad that immediately the Gulamitisfashlema is coming, beginning with the last moments of Gullus, the singing and the dancing with musical instruments, with, with um, tambourines for the coming of the Gula. And together with the Tefillah, 
asking Hashem, begging Hashem, davening for Hashem in a way of bitterness, of begging Hashem, please, it's such a long goal, it's ad masai, ad masai, ad masai. At the same time as Hashem is saying, do that, it fits. Together with that, the complete opposite goes together. Remember, if you're a woman, you can do these two opposites at the same time. That's what, as part of the package of being a woman. At the same time, having a tremendous feeling of simcha, simcha gedayla, that expresses itself in song because of the great betachem that he and immediately we should sing with all the men, women, children, the tenth song of the future that will be in a masculine song. All of the songs were, that was the nine songs for El Tanakh were feminine songs. But just like the feminine gives birth to um, uh, uh, Yeshua, that then there's another, there's after that, and there's after that. So we had Geula that gave birth to another Gaulus, and then a Geula that gave birth to another Geula. But the masculine song and the masculine Geula will be, this is the end, the final one. It won't give birth to another Gaulus, but we're looking forward to the final Geula that is the end of the road which then just opens up into endless ge'ula and, and all of the ramifications and the garden of ge'ula brought into the world, held in place, ushered in through the betachen and the joy and the trust and the prophecy, the power of, of vision of the nashim tzedkaniyas of the women. So may we find ourselves in these last dark moments envisioning the Gula Mitzvah Shleimah, dancing and celebrating and ushering in that Gula and finding ourselves in the third base of immediately now.